0: section 44 of the living animals of the world volume one this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by christy carpenter the living animals of the world volume one mammals by charles lewis cornish editor the goats, wild goats, the ibex, the markhor, the tar, the Nilgiri tar, or Nilgiri ibex, Rocky Mountain goat. The goats. Though the dividing line between the sheep and goats is very indistinct, some differences are of general application. The goats are distinguished by the unpleasant hirsine odor of the males and by beards on the chins of the same sex, by the absence of glands in the hind feet, which sheep possess, and by certain variations in the formation of the skull. The difference between the temperament of the sheep and goats is very curious and persistent, showing itself in a marked way, which affects their use in domestication to such a degree that the keeping of one or the other often marks the owners as possessors of different degrees of civilization. Goats are restless, curious, adventurous, and so active that they cannot be kept in enclosed fields. For this reason, they are not bred in any numbers in lands where agriculture is practiced on modern principles. They are too enterprising and too destructive. Consequently, The goat is usually only seen in large flocks on mountain pastures and rocky, uncultivated ground, where the flocks are taken out to feed by the children. On the High Alps, in Greece, on the Apennines, and in Palestine, the goat is a valuable domestic animal. The milk, butter, and cheese, and also the flesh of the kids, are in great esteem. But wherever the land is enclosed and high cultivation attempted the goat is banished, and the more docile and controllable sheep takes its place. In Syria, the goat is perhaps more docile and better understood as a dairy animal than elsewhere in the east. The flocks are driven into Damascus in the morning, and instead of a milk cart calling, the flock itself goes round the city, and particular goats are milked before the doors of regular customers. The European goat is a very useful animal for providing milk to poor families in large towns. The following account of its present uses was recently published. The sheep, while preserving its hardy habits in some districts, as on Exmoor, in Wales, and the Highlands, adapts itself to richer food and acquires the habits as well as the digestion of domestication. The goat remains, as in old days, the enemy of trees, inquisitive, omnivorous, pugnacious. It is unsuited for the settled life of the English farm. Rich pasture makes it ill, and a good clay soil, on which cattle grow fat, kills it. But it is far from being disqualified for the service of some forms of modern civilization by the survival of primitive habits. Though it cannot live comfortably in the smiling pastures of the low country, it is perfectly willing to exchange the rocks of the mountain for a stable yard in town. Its love for stony places is amply satisfied by the granite pavement of a mews, and it has been ascertained that goats fed in stalls and allowed to wander in paved courts and yards live longer and enjoy better health than those tethered even on light pastures. In parts of New York, The city goats are said to flourish on the paste-daubed paper of the advertisements, which they nibble from the hoardings. It is beyond doubt that these hardy creatures are exactly suited for living in large towns. An environment of bricks and mortar and paving stones suits them. Their spirits rise in proportion to what we should deem the depressing nature of their surroundings. They love to be tethered on a common, with scanty grass and a stalk of firs bushes to nibble. A deserted brick field, with plenty of broken drain tiles, rubbish heaps, and weeds, pleases them still better. Almost any kind of food seems to suit them. Not even the pig has so varied a diet as the goat. It consumes and converts into milk not only great quantities of garden stuff, which would otherwise be wasted, but also thanks to its love for eating twigs and shoots. It enjoys the prunings and loppings of bushes and trees. In the Mont d'Or district of France, the goats are fed on oatmeal porridge. With this diet and plenty of salt, the animals are scarcely ever ill and never suffer from tuberculosis. They will often give 10 times their own weight of milk in a year. The cashmere shawls are made of the finest goat's hair, Most of this very soft hair is obtained from the under-fur of goats kept in Tibet and by the Kyrgyz in Central Asia. Only a small quantity, averaging three ounces, is produced yearly by each animal. The wool is purchased by middlemen and taken to Kashmir for manufacture. In India, the goat reaches perhaps the highest point of domestication. The flocks are in charge of herd-boys, But the animals are so docile that they are regarded with no hostility by the cultivators of corn and cereals tame goats are also kept throughout africa the valuable angora breed from which mohair is obtained is now domesticated in south africa and in australia in the former country it is a great commercial success the animals were obtained with great difficulty as the Turkish owners did not wish to sell their best-bred goats. But, when once established at the Cape, it was found that they proved better producers of mohair than when in their native province of Angora. The clip from their descendants steadily improves. Wild goats. The Tur. In the Caucasus, both east and west, in the Pyrenees, and on the south spanish sierras three fine wild goats with some features not unlike the Burhol sheep are found they are called tur by the caucasian mountaineers the species found in the east caucasus differs from that of the west of the range and both from that of spain the east caucasian tur is a massive heavy animal all brown in color except on the fronts of the legs, which are blackish, and with horns springing from each side of the skull like half circles. The males are 38 inches high at the shoulder. The short beard and tail are blackish, and there is no white on the coat. The West Caucasian tur is much lighter in color than that of the East Caucasus, and the horns point backwards, more like those of the ibex. Though set on the skull at a different angle, the Spanish tur has the belly and inner sides of the legs white, and a blackish line along the flank, dividing the white from the brown. Also, a blackish chest and some grey on the flank. In the Caucasus, the tur are found on the high crags above the snow line in summer, whence they descend at night to feed on patches of upland grass. But the main home of the tur by day is above the snow line. The Spanish species modifies its habits according to the ground on which it lives. Mr. E. N. Buxton found it in dense scrub, while on the Andalusian sierras it frequents bare peaks 10,000 feet high. In Spain, tur are sometimes seen in flocks of from 100 to 150 each the Persian wild goat. The original of our domesticated goat is thought by some to be the or Persian wild goat. It is a fine animal with large scimitar-shaped horns, curving backwards, flattened laterally, and with knobs on the front edge at irregular intervals. It is more slender in build than the tur, light brown in general color, marked with a black line along the nape and back, black tail, white belly, blackish shoulder stripe, and a black line dividing the hinder part of the flank from the white belly. Formerly found in the islands of southeastern Europe, it now inhabits parts of the Caucasus, the Armenian highlands, Mount Ararat, and the Persian mountains as far east as Baluchistan. A smaller race is found in Sindh. It lives in herds, sometimes of considerable size, and frequents not only the high ground, but the mountain forests and scrub, where such cover exists. The domesticated goat of Sweden is said to be certainly a descendant of this species. The Ibex Of the Ibex, perhaps the best known of all the wild goats, several species, differing somewhat in size and in the form of their horns, are found in various parts of the Old World of these the arabian ibex inhabits the mountains of southern arabia palestine and sinai upper egypt and perhaps morocco the abinician ibex is found in the high mountains of the country from which it takes its name the alpine ibex is now extinct in the swiss alps and tyrol but survives on the piedmontese side of monte rosa The Asiatic ibex is the finest of the group. Its horns have been found to measure 54 and three-quarter inches along the curve. This ibex inhabits the mountain ranges of Central Asia, from the Altai to the Himalaya, and the Himalaya as far as the source of the Ganges. The king of Italy is the great preserver of the Alpine ibex, and has succeeded where the nobles of the Tyrol have failed. The animals are shot by driving them, the drivers being expert mountaineers. The way in which the ibex come down the passes and over the precipices is simply astonishing. One rider lately saw them springing down perpendicular heights of 40 feet or descending chimneys in the mountain face by simply cannoning off with their feet from side to side. Young ibex can be tamed with ease The only drawback to their maintenance being the impossibility of confining them. They will spring on to the roof of a house and spend the day there by preference, though allowed the run of all the premises. The kids are generally two in number. They are born in June. The ibex was long one of the chief objects of the alpine hunter. The emperor Maximilian had a preserve of them in the Tyrol Mountains near the Aachen Sea. These he shot with a crossbow when they were driven down the mountains. Sometimes they were forced across the lake. A picture in his private hunting book shows the emperor assisting to catch one in a net from a boat. He notes that he once shot an ibex at a distance of 200 yards with a crossbow after one of his companions had missed it with a gun or fire tube. When away on an expedition in Holland, he wrote a letter to the wife of one of the most noted ibex poachers on his domain, promising her a silk dress if she could induce her husband to let the animals alone. In the Himalaya, the chief foes of the ibex are the snow leopard and wild dog. The markhor, The very fine Himalayan goat of this name differs from all other wild species. The horns are spiral, like those of the kudu antelope and Wallachian sheep. It may well be called the king of the wild goats. A buck stands as much as 41 inches at the shoulder, and the maximum measurement of the horns is 63 inches, or over five feet. It has a long beard and mane, and stands very upright on its feet. Besides the Himalaya, It haunts the mountains on the Afghan frontier. The Markhor keep along the line between the forest and snow, some of the most difficult ground in the hills. The horns are a much-prized trophy. The Tar The tar of the Himalaya is a very different-looking animal to the true goats, from which, among other characters, it is distinguished by the form and small size of the horns. The horns, which are black, spring in a high backward arch, but the creature has no beard. A buck stands sometimes as much as 38 inches high at the shoulder. It has a long, rough coat, mainly dark stone color in tint. Tar live in the forest districts of the Middle Himalaya, where they are found on very high and difficult ground. General Donald McIntyre shot one standing on the brink of an almost sheer precipice. Down this it fell, and the distance in sheer depth was such that it was difficult to see the body even with glasses. The tar is fairly common all along the higher Himalayan range. Its bones are believed to be a sovereign cure for rheumatism, and are exported to India for that object. A smaller kind is found in the mountains of eastern Arabia, where very few English sportsmen have yet cared to attempt to shoot them. The Nilgiri tar, or Nilgiri ibex Though not an ibex, the sportsmen of India early gave this name to the tar of the Nilgiri and Annamalai Hills. The Himalayan species is covered with long, shaggy hair, the South Indian a short, smooth brown hair. The ibex, says Hawkeye, the Indian sportsman of this animal, is massively formed, with short legs, remarkably strong fetlocks, and a heavy carcass, short and well-ribbed up, combining strength and agility wonderful to behold. Its habits are gregarious, and the does are seldom met with separate from the flock or herd though males often are. The latter assume, as they grow old, a distinctive appearance. The hair on the back becomes lighter, almost white in some cases, causing a kind of saddle to appear, and from that time they become known to the shikaris as the saddlebacks of the herd, an object of ambition to the eyes of the true sportsman. It is a pleasant sight, To watch a herd of ibex feeding undisturbed the kids frisking here and there on pinnacles or ledges of rock and beetling cliffs where there seems scarcely safe hold for anything much larger than a grasshopper the old mother looking calmly on then again see the caution observed in taking up their resting or abiding places for the day where they may be warmed by the sun listening to the roar of many waters chewing the cud of contentment and giving themselves up to the full enjoyment of their nomadic life and its romantic haunts usually before reposing one of their number generally an old doe may be observed gazing intently below apparently scanning every spot in the range of her vision sometimes for half an hour or more before she is satisfied that all is well but strange to say, seldom or never looking up to the rocks above. Then, being satisfied on the one side, she follows the same process on the other, and eventually lies down calmly, contented with the precautions she has taken. Should the sentinel be joined by another, or her kid come and lie by her, they always lie back to back, in such a manner as to keep a good lookout to either side a solitary male goes through all this by himself and wonderfully careful he is but when with the herd he reposes in security leaving it to the female to take precautions for their joint safety rocky mountain goat america possesses only one species of wild goat the place of this genus being taken in the southern part of the continent by the camel-like guanacos. The Rocky Mountain Goat, the North American representative of the group, is a somewhat anomalous creature. It has very few of the characteristics of the European and Asiatic species. In place of being active in body and vivacious in temperament, it is a quiet, lethargic creature, able, it is true, To scale the high mountains of the northwest and to live among the snows, but with none of the energetic habits of the ibex or the tar. In form, it is heavy and badly built. It is heavy in front and weak behind, like a bison. The eye is small, the head large, and the shoulders humped. It feeds usually on very high ground. But hunters who take the trouble to ascend to these altitudes find little difficulty in killing as many wild goats as they wish. These goats are most numerous in the ranges of British Columbia, where they are found in small flocks of from three or four to twenty. Several may be killed before the herd is thoroughly alarmed, possibly because at the high altitudes at which they are found, man has seldom disturbed them none of the domesticated sheep or goats of the new world are indigenous to the continent of america it is a curious fact well worth studying from the point of view of the history of man that with the exception of the llama the dog and perhaps the guinea pig every domesticated animal in use from cape horn to the arctic ocean has been imported the last of these importations is the reindeer which, though the native species abounds in the Canadian woods, was obtained from Lapland and Eastern Asia. The history of this effort at acclimatization is curious and may be quoted in this connection. When the first rush to Klondike was made, the miners were imprisoned and inaccessible during the late winter. The coming of spring was the earliest period at which communication could be expected to be restored, and even then, the problem of feeding the transport animals was a difficult one. The United States government decided to try to open up a road from Alaska by means of sledges drawn by reindeer, and the Canadian government devised a similar scheme. Agents were sent to Lapland and to the tribes on the western side of Bering Sea, and deer, drivers, and harness obtained from both. The deer were not used for the Klondike relief expeditions by the Americans, but the animals and their drivers were kept in Alaska. Native reindeer were caught, and the latest news of the experiment is that the deer were found very useful for carrying the mails in winter. End of section 44